good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We are reading in Colossians, and we are ready to read chapter 3. Now, I am reading from the Amplified Bible. At the end of chapter 2, Paul was teaching that if we have died with Christ, if we have been baptized into Christ, then we do not need to live as if we are living in the world and, and submitting to rules and regulations such as do not handle this, do not taste that. Um, these sound like all things from the law. Um, he says that those practices have the appearance of you know, wisdom in self-made religion, but they are of no value against sinful indulgence because they do not honor God. So, all right. So that is the end of chapter 2. Now we're going to move on to chapter 3. Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ to a new life, sharing in his resurrection from the dead, keep seeking the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind and keep focused habitually on the things above, the heavenly things, not on things that are on the earth, which have only temporal value. For you died to this world, and your new real life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So here Paul is encouraging us to be, you know, to uh, keep seeking the kingdom of heaven, to keep focusing on Christ and God, uh, to... Uh, Remember, basically, to set our mind on and to keep focused, okay, keep focused habitually on things, on the heavenly things, and not on what is on earth. Because we don't, we don't want to be so focused on earthly things, yes. We do have to do our daily mundane things. We do. We have to do that stuff. But we don't want to be so focused on those things and think these things here are so important, you know, um, when they're really not, what's really important is uh, is our life, our life in heaven, our life with God, and our life in Christ. That's what's important. And uh, when Christ is our life, in that, you know, when He comes, we're going to have. When He returns, we will have. We will have that second life. We will be with Him and the Father. So, and that's part of what he's speaking about here. But this goes, really goes hand in hand, if you remember, where Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of heaven. You know, seek godly things, follow God, <clears throat> and you will, you know, and you will be on the right track. Now, in following God, we still do the things we're supposed to do here. We're not, you know, we're not ignoring our family and, you know, ignoring things here. We still have that responsibility, and we need to take care of those things. But our focus always is on the Lord, realizing that the Lord is near. The Lord is here with us always, and he is there to help us and guide us and lead us into the right ways and to make the right decisions. And we should keep our focus on him so that we do things correctly and and um, follow through on the things we're supposed to do in this life. So, we're going to continue on with verse 5. So, put to death and deprive 
of power the evil longings of your earthly body with its sensual self-centered instincts, immorality, impurity, sinful passion, evil desire, and greed, which is a kind of idolatry because it replaces your devotion to God. And it's true, any time we put these other things, these evil longings, these, these other things, you know, greed, and, 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 and we do have, we do sometimes have evil desires or, <clears throat> or immoral desires, um, these things can become a type of idolatry if you, you know, always give in to them and follow them and, you know, let those become the important thing in your life. Because of these sinful things, the divine wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience, those who fail to listen and who routinely and obstinately disregard God's precepts. And in these sinful things you also once walked, when you were habitually living in them without the knowledge of Christ. But now rid yourselves completely of all these things, anger, rage, malice, slander, and obscene, abusive, filthy, vulgar language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, for you have stripped off the old self with its evil practices, and have put on the new spiritual self, who is being continually renewed in true knowledge in the image of him who created the new self, a renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, nor between nations, whether barbarian or Scythian, nor in status, whether slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. So believers are equal in Christ without distinction. So it doesn't matter if I'm the high school janitor or the, the sewer worker or the garbage man or if I'm the president of any country in the world. doesn't matter. Make it whatever you want. So it doesn't matter what your status is. If you're in Christ, we're all equal in Christ. We're all equal in spirit. So we should put to put to death and put away all these sinful things. They are part of our old life. Now it takes time. It's not something that's going to be instantaneous, okay? Don't want you to get the idea that poof, you know, magic, magic bullet and it's all gone. But as we as we learn and see these things in ourselves, especially these things which are these most of these things are fairly obvious ang anger, rage, malice, slander, obscene language, don't lie to one another. I mean, these things are fairly obvious. You know, we clean these things up, you know, and we, we get rid of that. And then, too, we have to back up and realize that we don't want to, you know, be given in to these other evil desires, self-centered things that really we replace our devotion to God with, with our devotion to ourselves and to what we want. Uh, we don't want to do that. And it's not that we haven't done that in our lives. We have. But as we grow, once we're baptized, as we grow in Christ, as we, the reason he talks about being renewed is that we should be, to, to be continually renewed, we should be reading our Bible, studying our Bible in some manner, even if you're listening to it, that's fine. But we should be studying our Bible, renewing our minds every day with some portion of God's Word given you know, thinking about that, we should be listening to 
songs of praise. We should have our focus on godly things. Not that we, again, not that we ignore our duties here, but to reinforce the fact that, hey, we can perform our duties here. We can be happy about that and we can be thankful to God for all that he has done and all that we have. But we can continually renew our mind and grow in Christ while we do these things. And it doesn't matter what our status is. Like I said, now, however we are, when we come to Christ, no matter what our condition is, no matter what our job is, what our status in society is, that doesn't matter. You know, that's another thing. When he talks at the beginning of this and he says, you know, focus on the heavenly things, focus on the things above, don't worry about this earthly status and all that. That's, you know, that's very temporary nonsense. It comes and goes even in our lifetime. So imagine what a blink, what a little minuscule thing it is in, in all of eternity. All our accomplishments here, while they're nice, they're good, there's nothing wrong with accomplishments, don't get me, you know, wrong on that. Um, but they're super relatively meaningless in the scheme of eternity and what's really important. And really true a lot of i mean if you just think about it a lot of accomplishments pale in comparison to the impact you can have on helping someone or doing something nice for someone that that really helps them out those are the accomplishments that are so important that mean so much more and i hope i have not i don't feel i, I don't feel like i'm off track but i do feel like maybe i've gone on a little long but you get the idea we should Leave the old man behind, and the old man is our old life and our old habits and our old instincts and our old actions. And we should put on these new Christ-like actions, and we should be um, continually improving ourselves to be more like Jesus. And the more we focus on him, the more we will want to be like Jesus, and the more we will continue down that path. And that's a very good thing. All right, so moving on, verse 12. So as God's own chosen people who are holy, set apart, sanctified for his purpose, and well-beloved by God himself, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, which has the power to endure whatever injustice or unpleasantness comes with good temper, bearing graciously with one another and willingly forgiving each other if one has a cause for complaint against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so should you forgive. Now this is all very simple. You, you'll notice Paul is really teaching the same things that Jesus taught already. And he's saying put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness. This is the heart of I mean, this is basically the heart of Jesus and patience. You know, it's not that there wasn't a time where Jesus had some justified, you know, righteous anger. But by and large, mostly, you know, he had compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now, did he not go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the leaders of the Jews to correct them? Yes, he did. He really did. He stood up to them. But that doesn't mean that he was um, 
you know, you'll notice every time he's, he's talking to them, he's just telling them the truth, and he's being a little blunt. But he was never being, how would you say, um, he wasn't just, you know, the, the conversation didn't just fall into insults and slander. and not, You know what I mean? I mean, he did it in a godly, correctly way, using the word of God and explaining to them, you know, what was wrong. Now, he did call them vipers. He did say things to them to get their attention, you know, because he realized, you know, he needed to, you know, snap their attention, kind of, and to get other people's attention and get them to realize what was going on. But anyway, so I'm getting a little off track there. So Paul is really saying the same thing. So, you know, be gracious with one another, forgive one another, you know, wrap ourselves in love, meaning that we're looking out for each other. We're looking out for what <clears throat> what is the betterment, what would be better for my neighbor. You know, we're looking out not just for ourselves, but for everyone trying to make things better. So beyond all these things, Put on and wrap yourselves in unselfish love, which is the perfect bond of unity, for everything is bound together in agreement when each one seeks the best for others. Let the peace of Christ, the inner calm of one who walks daily with him, be the controlling factor in your hearts, deciding and settling questions that arise. To this peace, indeed, you were called as members in one body of believers. And be thankful to God always. Let the spoken word of Christ have its home within you, dwelling in your heart and mind, permeating every aspect of your being. As you teach spiritual things and admonish and train one another with all wisdom, singing songs, uh, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do, no matter what it is, in word, or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, and in dependence on him, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now here, Paul is plainly telling us, you know, to, to walk in love towards one another, to wrap ourselves in love, to make sure that we are looking out not just for ourselves, but for the betterment of all, you know, of everyone. Um, let the peace of Christ you know, and this is the peace that we get um, by following the Lord, by studying His Word, we, you know, by um, having faith in Christ and in God. This is the peace we get from that. Um, we let Him be the controlling factor. You know, it says, let the peace of Christ be the controlling factor. Basically, you're letting that calmness, that love of Christ decide things. And uh, that's how we should be. And we should always be thankful to God. Um, we should let the spoken word of Christ have its home within you. Now, how do we do that? We, we study that word. We, we write his word on our hearts by studying his word until it permeates us, until we understand and know it. And not just know the words and not just recite it, but to really understand and know what the meaning is when, when he says to love one another and and to love your neighbor. It's to, it's to watch out for their interests as well as your own. And then here with, <clears throat> with the word of God, with the word of Christ in, your, in you, in your heart, you know, then you can, we can teach, admonish, and train one another in spiritual things. 
with all wisdom, who, well, who has all wisdom? God. God has all wisdom. So with, with God's wisdom, we can, you know, we can teach and train and admonish one another. And we should always be, you know, we should always have, the, I'm going to shorten this up, but it's basically, we should always have a song, okay? A song or a psalm of thankfulness, gratefulness in our hearts to God because he is our source for everything. And that's, you know, that's what Paul is saying here. We should definitely have that song in our hearts and be thankful in our hearts to God. It's just, you know, he is our source for everything. He's done everything for us. And then whatever you do, no matter what it is, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus in dependence on him and giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, think about that. If you're doing something and you can't do it in the name of Jesus, then there's something wrong there, isn't there? If you can't say, I'm doing this as, as if I'm doing it to the Lord, I'm performing whatever this is to the Lord, then is there something wrong with what you're doing? Maybe so. Something to evaluate, something to think about. Because he says to do everything. And, and there's other places he's going to say where we should do everything as if we are doing it for the Lord. So it's important that what we do be, you know, be something that is good and positive. And, you know, if you can't perform that and say, well, I'm doing this as if I'm doing this for the Lord or I'm doing this in the Lord's name then maybe you shouldn't be doing what you're doing, you know. Just saying, you know, if there's things you're doing, that, that's kind of how I have to do with myself. And I, anytime, really, I'm talking about anything, I'm really talking to and about myself. <laughs> uh, that's just the way it is, because I know my flaws and my faults. All right, so in uh, verse 18, Paul moves on to talk about family and in verse 18 he says wives be subject to your husbands out of respect for their position as protector and their accountability to God as is proper and fitting in the Lord now this is all he says to the wife is just that you should be subject to your husband as is proper and fitting in the Lord so you know the husband is supposed to be the head or the leader of the family as long especially as long as he is fulfilling that role you should you know look out being subject to is is means you're placing him ahead of you you know you're you're helping out you're helping him you're doing things for his betterment and okay at the same time you're, you're still going to be following the Lord. Now, you're not going to follow out away from the Lord's path. You're not going to run off and do wrong things, okay? So, we're not talking about following somebody into doing wrong things. But we're talking about following a godly husband and doing <clears throat> doing those things that are, that are correct, you know, and uh, out of respect for him as you know he's he's the the husband should be the earthly provider now there's times when some of these roles in families nowadays change 
And we have to look at that and take that into account. But nonetheless, as much as is possible, we should follow this, you know, this godly principle. Um, that doesn't mean that the husband is the king of the house, the ruler with an iron fist and all that, all that silliness, really. But just that wives should be trying to look out to support and help their husbands is the basic idea out of love and respect. And you should do that as much as is, as is fitting in the Lord, meaning as long as it is going along with God's word and its good things, not in bad things, of course. You shouldn't support him if he's doing something that's going to be uh, detrimental to himself or, or to you, you and your family. Now, and, and by that I mean something wrong, like something that would be maybe against the law or something that's immoral those lines if, if you know so that's that's where i'm drawing the line okay but um paul really has a lot more to say to husbands because <laughs> husbands guys we tend to be a little more uh, i don't know what the right word is we tend to be a little more aggressive stubborn we can be um we can be difficult so in verse 19, he says, Husbands, love your wives with an affectionate, sympathetic, selfless love that always seeks the best for them. And do not be embittered or resentful toward them because of the responsibilities of marriage. Now this is kind of a short sentence. And we could say it just as, Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered or resentful toward them. But... There's a lot here in that we should love our wives, and we know that it's stated elsewhere, we should love our wives as Jesus loved the church. Jesus gave everything for us as the church. He gave everything for us. He sacrificed it all. And we need to be able to do that for our wives, we need to be able to say, okay, we're doing these things. We're looking out for their betterment. We're trying to make their life better by what we're doing. And the same goes actually for your children as well, your family. You should be, whatever you're doing, whatever you're working at, whatever you're doing, it should be something for the betterment of your family. And you're putting your wife and your children before yourself and moving forward. Not that you never do anything for yourself. I mean, you can definitely have those times where you need to do something for yourself. But, but we need to stay focused. As the, as the head of the household, as the leader, we need to stay focused and make sure that we're doing the right thing, setting the right example, and, and getting things done properly, looking out for the others. Sometimes even when they don't understand it, but that's what you need to do. Verse 20, Paul continues. Oh, well, he does say, and don't be embittered or resentful. In other words, don't resent the fact that that responsibility is yours. That's being a leader. Jesus plainly showed us and, and told us being a leader is being a servant to all. So our responsibility is to serve our family to take care of them and make sure they have what they need. 
that's that's it. That's our responsibility. That's our duty as a leader. That's that's it. You you don't lead by bossing everybody else around. That's not it. That's just the world's idea of leading. So uh, verse twenty. Children, obey your parents as God's representatives in all things, for this attitude of respect and obedience is well-pleasing to the Lord and will bring you God's promised blessings. Now, children should obey their parents. And, and the main reason, I, I'm going to just plainly, just like the main reason we should obey God, is safety. Safety. Plain and simple. It's the rule of, hey, don't run out in the street. You're going to get hit by a car. You know, it's like, whoa, stay here, little guy, little girl. Stay with me. Stay with mommy. Stay with daddy. Don't don't wander off. I don't want you to get injured. I don't want you to get hurt. Follow me. Stay with me. Here, let me hold your hand. Okay? That's the same. And that is the same idea with God and us. He's got the Bible, and he's got us, and he's saying, here, follow me. Go with me. Learn these things. Stay with me. I will show you what to do and what not to do and how to do it. That's the same thing that we do with our children. It is, I mean, there's really, <clears throat> it's just, there's just no difference. It's basically the same thing. So children should obey their parents because their parents should be looking out for them and taking care of them. Now, notice that this is, this is a very general, very normal statement. We're, again, we're not taking into account every little deviation of things and all those, um, what's those, uh, the uh, rhetorical questions and the situations, you know, the hypotheticals. We're just saying in general, you know, this is how it should be, you know, because normally your parent is going to be looking out for you and taking care of you and you need to obey your parent especially the younger you are. Now, as you get older and become an adult, you know, things are different then. You don't have to obey your parent through your whole entire life. That's not the idea. Even God doesn't force us to do anything. We have free will. So, But when we're young and our parents are watching after us, we do need to make sure that we mind them so that we're staying safe and not you know, getting ourselves hurt. Now, verse 21, fathers, do not provoke or irritate or exasperate your children with demands that are trivial or unreasonable or humiliating or abusive, nor by favoritism or indifference. Treat them tenderly with loving kindness so they will not lose heart and become discouraged or unmotivated with their spirits broken. So, Again, he comes back to the father of the husband and says, look, because <laughs> we have that tendency, again, we have that tendency to be a little, we can be a little stern, we can be a little, uh, uh, I guess, gruff, you know, we can, we can come off the wrong way, or we can just be irritated ourselves and be too harsh, you know, I, I'm sure I've been too harsh at times, but. He's, he's telling us, don't provoke or irritate or exasperate your children. And you notice <clears throat> in the Amplified, it's, it's saying, you know, don't, you know, don't be demanding trivial, unreasonable things. Don't be doing things to humiliate your child or be abusive and not to have favoritism. You need to be consistent and treat your children the same. 
And notice he says, treat them tenderly with loving kindness. So we do need to be consistent and treat them properly, but we need to treat them out of love. Now, to be fair, love does teach um, certain things. I mean, you know, you have to teach them not to do certain things to keep them safe. That's just the way it is. You can't have them running up and throwing their hand on top of the stove and getting, you know, getting their hand burned up because they're not listening or paying attention. So there's a certain amount. I mean, love has to be honest, too. It has to be true. So you have to be willing to tell them the truth. And when, as they get older, and you're going to tell them the truth sometimes when they don't want to hear it and they don't want to accept it, but you're going to say, well... You know, it's not that you're being mean. It's just that you're saying, look, that's that's wrong. This is incorrect. You, you know, we're following God. We're following the Bible. That's that's an immoral thing. We're not, we don't do that. Now, and as they become an adult, you still, out of love, you tell them honestly. Now, they can still choose to do whatever. And you, as their parent, should still love them. But you have to realize that you, you can't control them once they're, once they're that age and they're on their own and they're doing their own thing, you need to allow them, you know, to do that, to have that freedom just like God does us. But anyway, so fathers, we need to make sure that we're not, you know, not being too harsh, not being extreme. We don't want to, we don't want to break their spirits. We don't want to hurt their feelings and, and damage them emotionally in ways, you know. That's just not right. We don't want to do that. Um, so we want to be careful how we how we speak to, how we punish, how we um, discuss things with them. We want to make sure that we wait and do that when we're a little calmer. You know, <laughs> you know, if you if you bite their head off over something that's trivial, and you know, don't be afraid to come back later and say, "Look, I'm sorry. You know, I'm human too. I was I was mad." Don't be afraid to apologize. There's nothing wrong with setting a good example by showing your child that, yes, I can't apologize when I make a mistake. There's nothing wrong with that. So then he moves on, and in verse 22, Servants in everything obey those who are your masters on earth, not only with external service as those who merely please people, but with sincerity of heart because of your fear of the Lord. Whatever you do, whatever your task may be, work from the soul, that is, put in your very best effort, as something done for the Lord and not for men, knowing with all certainty that it is from the Lord, not from men, that you will receive the inheritance, which is your greatest reward. It is the Lord Christ whom you actually serve, for he who does wrong will be punished for his wrongdoing. And with God, there is no partiality, no special treatment based on a person's position in life. So here, the best way to relate this today, and some people will say this relates to slaves, but it, it, really, it really doesn't. It, it's really a matter of there are always those of us who work and do jobs and serve other people. So he says servants. Now, and we should obey our, our bosses, those who... Are that we're working for, and we should put forth our best effort in our job and do the best we can, realizing that we are the Lord's, 
and that we should be doing everything and working as if we're working for the Lord, putting forth our, our best effort, and knowing that we'll get our real reward, the greatest reward from the Lord, and that that's more important than you know the earthly reward. Though, however, putting forth your best effort and, and working and doing a good job that has its own rewards. It does, even here on earth, and, and that's a good thing. So, he's just making sure that we understand that we actually serve the Lord in everything. So, in everything we do, we should put forth our best effort. And, uh, and realize that God does not think any less of you, no matter what your status is in society, than he does of the president or the king, or whatever you want to call a ruler. He thinks just as much of you, no matter who you are or what you're doing. He loves you and cares about you just as much as those people who, you know, are in control, supposedly, or are the leaders. So that's, that's important to remember that. And to be thankful for the ability that God gives you to be able to work and do a good job. That's very important. So that is the end of chapter 3, Colossians 3. So I want to thank you for listening. Hope you have a wonderful day. And remember, God loves you.